Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2007, and I was sitting in the pews at my church. My pastor was preaching. He said something that moved me. So I whipped out my device, and I started to tweet about it. Looked down the aisle and got the dirtiest looks from the parishioners, congregants. What I did then seemed strange, but now it's something that happens all the time. In fact, you might even find preachers tweeting or sharing from the pulpit. Mine has even taken a selfie and hashtagged it with the church motto. I talk about how social media is culture soup. But sometimes we get distracted and think that culture only refers to race. I say culture is that thing. It's really that thing that makes your squad a squad. So if you believe the same thing, that's part of your culture. Faith and inspiration is a part of culture. Which brings me to how I met my next guest. He is what I like to call an internet church geek, and there are lots of them. Because the church and other religions have found that social media is a great way to expand your reach and take your message to places that it may not have been before. Enter my friend, Jason Caston. I want you to meet him. each other jason wow uh man five six years maybe yeah it's, it's, it's been a good been minute about six years going on six i think by the time june rolls around whenever blogging while brown used to happen <laughs> that's, that's probably when we met right sounds about right to me awesome. definitely yeah and we'll get into all the the details of how we met and all that good stuff but i'm so happy to have you thank you for joining the culture soup oh man my pleasure to be here why don't we have a culture soup moment you ready i'm ready Okay, so when I comb the threads, doesn't matter. Any day, there's someone out there sharing motivational wisdom, inspirational talk, uh, post, 140 characters or 240 characters, no matter how you're counting, of folks that are trying to inspire one another. And a lot of it is around faith, which I really think of you when I think of this intersection of tech, culture, and business. If I think of anybody who is like sitting right there when that cultural piece of faith comes up or inspiration, I think of Jason Kasten. And we joke a lot and call you kind of the church geek, right? And why is that? Well, uh, I had the pleasure of um, uh, working with a lot of uh, faith-based organizations, churches, um, even uh, some movie studios and stuff like that to help uh, take some of their uh, 
the, the message out to the masses using these digital platforms um, that they mm -hmm. just were not familiar with. So it was a great opportunity that I was able to get started early in that about ooh, uh, six, seven, eight years ago and um, really get, a, get ahead of the curve. And you started with your first, was your first book, The iChurch Method, or was that number two? That was actually number two. The first book was um, How to Build Your Business in One Day. And I wrote that back uh, yeah. right early 2000s. Wow. And you know what? You've written a few cents, right? Or yes. a couple cents, yeah. different versions of iChurch and what else? Right. Yeah. So I basically took uh, the, the things, the topics I talked about in iChurch and kind of broke them out. I uh, wrote a book about social media and social connections and then um, currently writing a book about digital connections and just uh, how to connect with the always engaged audience. And so that's kind of where I went as far as breaking out these um, these digital topics and, and getting more involved in how to uh, help people understand how to utilize them. So what is the connection? Because there is an organic something happening between faith, whether it's around church, yeah. whether it's about around inspiration or people just trying to feel good or be motivated and social media. What, yeah. what is it? Is it the community that people form or? Well, I don't think it's a, a either or I think it's a both all and so it, it is the community where you're connecting with people. It is a source of inspiration. It is a, a, um, a place where people go to um, uh, look for some type of encouragement. Um, the problem is uh, a lot of people try and uh, paint social media or uh, digital connections with a broad brush of, you know, there's this drama or a lot of negative things happen there. And especially with our cultural times, um, a lot of negativity does come from the online space. But there's, there does, there's not enough attention given to the great things that are going on there and the people that, you know, you, you can connect with all around the world um, that can help encourage you and get you to places that you never could go on your own. Absolutely. And so you have worked with organizations, churches yeah. that have been trying to expand their reach, leveraging social media. Yeah. And when I met you, you it was during a time where churches had just started to catch on to streaming. And I know for a fact about that time when I would get up, I think my church was probably doing four services during that time. That's oh, <laughs> <laughs> before we got the new sanctuary. Yeah. But we were doing probably about four services. And before I made it to my one service, if I was just going to go to one, maybe I was going to go to two and minister or whatever, I would actually tune into another church service, whether they were in town or out of town or what have you. And still there were others that thought, this is my green light to attend Bedside Baptist yeah. or the Church of the Holy Comforter, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the thing that I was able to do was help um, churches understand that uh, these online tools, these digital platforms that were growing, were not coming to um, uh, supplant, you know, the traditional church experience. They were coming to uh, supplement it. So it, it was, it, I was just helping them understand that we weren't trying to change the message. Uh, we weren't, we were, we were trying to help them evolve uh, with their methods. And so I would have to give them examples that they could understand. And I would ask them, you know, as we're looking at Internet Church or just bringing the message to the people, which they understood that if it was missionaries in the traditional sense, and that's sending people all around the world to these remote places. But they didn't understand the digital mission field. They didn't understand digital missionaries. And so therefore, if I gave them examples like, well, how come you're not 
preaching from scrolls and tablets and um, how come we're not, you know, so you going up in the upper room to preach, you know, I gave them examples of the technology that we're utilizing, such as the printing press and the Bibles and helping them mm-hmm. understand that iPads um, and computers and mobile phones, getting your message on there is, is not the devil. And people are not uh, trying to uh, stay at home in bedside Baptist just because the people don't show up in your sanctuary doesn't mean they're not getting your message, you know. Two plus two equals four. They understood that. But I'm also telling them one plus three equals four. Three plus one equals four. There are multiple ways to get to the solution that you want to, but don't get stuck in the two plus two equals four way that you grew up with. Aren't you amazed at how far we've come so fast? Because I remember in 2006 sitting in the pews, um, probably the early adopter in the congregation (laughs) with my not so smartphone at the time because <laughs> it was 2006 yeah. but still um gosh i guess it was 2007 by the time twitter came to the platform and i was literally trying to share something that my pastor had just said that i thought was moving and everybody should know and i was getting dirty looks in the pews but now gosh the churches even say okay text to give you know mm-hmm. here's the number on the screen you know whip out your device use the hashtag Man, we've come a long way. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I, and I think it's it's been an educational experience for the leadership of the church. Who normally you might see uh, they've done church in a traditional manner, and there's sometimes a generational divide there, and and they uh, don't accept change nearly as rapidly as others uh, within the congregation. So as they were able to learn and understand how effective these tools were, then they were able to utilize it and 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 bring it into their uh, weekly services, and so therefore the the Pulling out your mobile phone in the service wasn't taboo anymore, and it wasn't viewed as, hey, I'm not, um, I'm tuning out from the service and trying to do something else. It's like, no, 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 I'm trying to reach, you know, the uh, 150 uh, Facebook followers I have, the 200 Twitter followers I have, the 300 Instagram followers I have, and t- send this message out to the masses. So uh, that 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 again is just about comfort levels of people understanding and how to utilize these platforms. So, Jason, it took a lot of insight, I believe, um, before a lot of the churches had caught on, even before consumers had quite caught on that there was an organic and natural link between what the church does and what organizations are are doing that are out there trying to inspire do and the connection with social media. How did you come upon this insight? You did mention that this was book number two, the iChurch method. It wasn't book number one. (laughs) So at some point in there... You had a moment of, I guess it was a light bulb moment, and yeah. you decided this was something that people needed. How did you get there? Um, I was working at a church out in Los Angeles, and I think I was hired there in 2007. And they asked me, um, you know, and, and I had my, my thought about how technically advanced the church was before I got there, just based on what I saw on TV. And so when I got there, I saw that they didn't really understand these digital platforms that came natural for me because I had been working with them all my life. And they said, hey, we just want you to fix the internet. They didn't give me direction. They didn't tell me what (laughs) they were. They just just said, just (laughs) fix it. We hired you to fix the internet. Now, within that, it was update and fix the website, make it user-friendly. That was also fix the online giving process. That was about 14 steps, and it needed to be two, three at most. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to stream online. So you had to help us help them understand how they could stream online. Uh, they They didn't even know what social media was. They didn't understand mobile. 
So I, I realized... What year was this? This was 2008 when we really started getting down into the weeds of this. Oh, yeah. So let me frame this up for everybody, okay? Yeah. 2007 is a magic date for us when we talk about social media and mobile social, right? Yeah. Because that's when Facebook decided it would no longer just be for college kids. Yep. And that's when Twitter was introduced at South by Southwest. Yep. And that's when the iPhone came to market. Um, somewhere between 2007, 2008, Android introduced the first Android device, and that was the HTC Sense, which, of course, drove the price down, yep. right? Yep. So the masses were able to get their hands on things. So this church was really ahead of the curve because not all of their parishioners even had a device in their hand to start sharing, correct? That's absolutely correct. And it was an older congregation, but the uh, pastor there had been doing ministry since the 70s. So they had been established mm. with their uh, ways of, they understood how to utilize TV. Um, they, uh, they had a huge following worldwide. So they understood church the way they did it, but they didn't mm -hmm. understand the digital wave that was coming with all these new things, but they were smart enough to hire a Jason. So that's how it's very smart. Well, and it may be because they kind of saw, you know, TV as that technology that took their church to that level. And they probably were thinking, what's next and what's this other thing that's out there, you think? Well, I think they were smart enough to understand that the web was coming along very rapidly. Mm. They, they, and they were um, in that, in hiring me, I was able to see that with the web and how fast that was coming. Social media, I was already familiar with that uh, from the MySpace days. Um, and Black Planet, I understood how social, how impactful social media was going to be. And I saw the two walking hand in hand, which was as social media grew, mobile grew. As mobile grew, social media grew. And those two mm. were running fast, neck and neck, um, helping each other get to the end of this race that we're seeing. Totally. You know, um, I talk about mobile social a lot because that combination there, right? Yeah. Was what helped a lot of underrepresented groups to get online because they may not have been able to afford a whole iMac or a desktop or even the broadband at home to connect them to the internet. That mobile social, I cannot, um, I mean, I'm, I can't get over it. In 2008, when all of that changed, it's like mobile social kind of made the internet the wild, wild west because anybody, anybody who could even just get a contract to contract, you know, or no contract, let's say, no contract deal from, let's say, a Boost Mobile yeah, absolutely. had the power, right? They had the same power as, gee, a network to get something out there to the world rapidly. Absolutely. And that's that's just crazy. Absolutely. It's just crazy. Absolutely. And then and here we are. Add in um, 3G uh, came in, and that, that, that yes. was one of the fastest speeds that mm -hmm. the masses utilized. Prices came down, and this is before we even got to 4G, but the, once 3G hit and then the iPhone adopted 3G, because Android did it a little uh, faster with their phones, yeah. um, but that started to give people faster connections than they might have had at home, and so therefore, and it just didn't matter, wherever you were at, you had the fastest connection you had ever seen, and now that totally. changed the dynamic of um, everybody has a platform. Everybody can speak out. And when the cameras got really good on those things, then yes. they started uh, taking pictures and filming YouTubing. everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so now. Well, and look that. at us right now. I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you like it's nothing. 
Absolutely. <laughs> We're face to face. Absolutely. And you're on the other side of town. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, I tease that, you know, my first guest wasn't even a U.S. citizen. Well, she is a U.S. citizen, but she doesn't even live there. Um, oh, Audrey wow. Bois Harris. Yeah, we Skype from Montreal to Dallas. Oh, that's awesome. Like, it's nothing. It's nothing, right? This is just what we do. It's just amazing. So, that's book number two. And then the iChurch Method has how many versions now? Uh, three versions we came out with. Um, we did, I think, let's say 12, 13, and then 15. And then um, I was looking at doing another one in 17, but I um, <clears throat> changed that to the Digital Connections book and expanded um, from just faith-based to a more um, uh, comprehensive uh, approach to the digital platforms and the new emerging technologies. So what are you up to these days? <laughs> well, these days, okay, so we're talking about- uh, And it's not that you're not doing, you know, your client work with the, the churches and the organizations. That's still going on, but you got, something else happening right yes absolutely so uh for for the faith-based tech i'm still doing that i'm still i'm a director of digital media at a faith-based organization i'm leading all, every as as many things and technology that i can think of they let me go and do and implement it and um keep them ahead of the curve now as we were talking about these books and how many books i had written as i started to go out and speak at different events there was two types of um questions I would get. One would be about these digital platforms and how to utilize them, how can we grow, et cetera. The other question would be, how did you write your book? How did you publish it? And so as I continue to get those questions, the, the process for me, I thought was easy. It's not easy to self-publish. Um, it's not easy to uh, get your book out there and market it, but I had understood it. So I created a platform, we call it Composio, and mm -hmm. um, it basically streamlines the uh, self-publishing process. You write, uh, write, publish, market all from a single platform. So we've been working on that for about the last uh, 18 months. And um, as of January of 2019, um, we have started our beta testing with about 50 users. Yay! Hey, everybody. <laughs> There's a tech startup in the house. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yes, it was great. A, you know what? Okay, I get excited. I have to stop and just, just bask in this right now. And it goes back to the fact of this 2008 thing that happened. And yeah. it has really unleashed an, a renaissance with not just black people, but everybody who gets their hands on this internet. <laughs> and they decide that they have an idea and they actually can just go make that ish happen. Okay, that's and that's the key thing because you know as my mind was working, yes, I, I wanted to create a platform and I also started writing and uh, kept the the blog posts and probably turned it into a book of how I created this because to me mm -hmm. there was a lot of key things that you're talking about that happened um, the 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 mobile transformation and evolving of mobile social media yes. those those gave me the marketing tools to tie into this mm -hmm. platform um, Amazon. And their AWS services. I don't have to buy servers. I get servers uh, now from Amazon. It's the cloud. Don't right. you love the cloud? <laughs> Come on, cloud. Come on, cloud. Exactly. Push through cloud. <laughs> exactly. So that that now, me and my developers were able to build for a fraction of the cost. Um, uh, creating with websites. Yeah, I'm. I'm didn't I don't know if I mentioned. Yeah, I'm a coder geek. I know how to code. So 
I'm able to utilize and create websites for a fraction of the cost. Um, so, and all those type, all these tools that I'm talking about to utilize, um, you know, cost me. Uh, you know, for a tech startup, you could do this for less than um, I would say $500 a month. You could actually you run go. that. So that to give a Look, number. To you people. know, it, here's the thing. Whether it's a tech startup or a beauty startup, I have friends that are like launching products yeah. online on the cheap. Like, <laughs> and I, I'm telling people now, you know, I call myself an entrepreneur. Right now I'm at a major corporation, but I have my own thing. And I encourage Absolutely. people to do that because like now more than ever, the tools are there and the, the cost is so low and you have the opportunity. So why not go own something? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and here's another thing. Let me give you another tip that I utilize um, for in building this business. Um, I, I've heard this thing talking about, you know, hustle hard, hustle often. Sleep is for, you know, the weak. Ah, sleep whatever. when you're dead. No, 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 <laughs> Get no. Get your no. sleep. Let's yeah, exactly. Get your sleep. Because I'm going to tell you what I do. Now, first of all, I outsourced a lot of the development um, for a fraction of the cost that it would have cost me to have my own team. I mm -hmm. do have a couple of developers. I have um, a couple of designers and so on, but I outsource a lot of development. I knew that if I tried to do it all myself, I would not be able to do that and function no. in any capacity for anything else going on in my mm -hmm. life. But here's another thing. Here's another thing. When I have a task in front of me, and let's say it's uh, develop a, um, some type of marketing strategy or just some type of task I have that I need to do. If it takes me longer than a week to get it done, then that's me holding up the process. Mm -hmm. So then I outsource it. Mm -hmm. I hire somebody to do it who I know will get it done Smart. in a specific amount of time. And then I go to something else that I know I can get done more effectively. Smart. I don't want to hold be held up because I'm lazy, because I don't want to do it, because I'm having a mind block for that entire week or month. No, you never stop stuff progressing. Don't be the, uh, the block of the progress for your organization. So make sure you have ways to delegate. That took me years yeah. to learn to delegate. Yeah, oh, you know, a, and, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's cultural, but we have a tendency to try and just take it on all ourselves. When you're yeah. absolutely right, there is no shame <laughs> in getting the support you need. And these days, it doesn't cost nearly as much as it might have in the past. You agree? Oh, true. Yeah, and let me give you another example real quick. Um, for the people that's watching on video, okay, so y'all see these book covers back here, mm -hmm. okay? These book covers are all my books from before. These are book covers that I got done from a professional book cover designer who actually is working with Composio. He's my buddy, and I hired him. Now, when I made my first book cover back in the day, I took it to my friend, my mentor, and he told me how trash it was. <laughs> my buddy who I hired who does these book covers, he saw a couple of book covers I tried to do. He told me how trash they were. The content is awesome. I am not a book to cover designer. I, I try to do it all myself. I'm terrible. So I outsource what I didn't do. But it took people who I respected to tell me, that's trash. What you did, that book cover is trash. You're good at digital platforms and marketing. You're terrible at book cover designs. So I had to find somebody who knew how to do it, who had the expertise. And he got it done so much quicker than I did. And it looked like a professional book cover. Absolutely. And talk to me. I know this is my philosophy, but tell me what you think. I am a huge proponent of incremental tactical execution. In other words, you know, people will ask me because I am a mom in chief and I'm an executive at uh, Fortune 9. And they're like, 
how are you doing what you're doing? First of all, it's the magic of the internet. Yeah. Okay, that's the first thing. Yeah. You can do things a lot yeah. quicker than you can and more efficiently than you could in the past. But the other thing is that those windows of time that I have, like one is one one of these windows is right now. When I have those moments, I optimize that 30 minutes or that hour and I get yep. little things done. And by the time two or three weeks is over, I look back and I'm like, dang, did I do that? I accomplished so there much. You there you go. And that's the thing. Um, it's, it's two things that I realized. Uh, one, yes, I do the same thing. I'm addicted to progress. I'll have a list in my, in my Google calendar. I might have five major things I need to get done. I'll have another list where I have 10 things underneath that. Um, and then I actually write down the key things and I keep mm -hmm. uh, checking stuff off. So yes, if I have 10 things to get done and I don't get all 10 done, I can look back and at least say I got six of them done that day. And the next day I'll do, you know, keep going and keep going. One of the key things I learned when um, I was a, a child, I didn't understand the story of the turtle and the hare. Yeah. I didn't understand it. I'm like, why did the hare lose? I don't get it. Mm -hmm. But the turtle, he kept making progress. He never stopped. Kept making progress. <laughs> exactly. The, the hare tried to do one long stretch and he burnt out and so on and so forth. But the, the hare, I mean, the turtle kept making progress. And that's when I started to understand it's not about trying to do it all at once. I mean, that's overwhelming. Yeah. That's, that's stressful in your mind trying to figure it out. But when I start piecing it out and, and breaking it down and chunking totally. it out, I think is one of the terms I've heard. Chunking then that, that, that's the way I'm able to accomplish it. So I, I, I follow the same uh, strategy you do in incremental um, um, progress. Because you're a dad of two or three. Two girls. Two girls. I got two teenage girls. <laughs> yeah, they keep yeah, you busy. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely they do. They keep, they're every bit of busy. And so even now they're uh, waiting um, to uh, cook dinner. We're going to cook dinner, cook some fish. And they're waiting on me to get done with this. So right. this doesn't matter. They don't, they, don't, they don't see this as dad's on a great podcast, <laughs> talking to the great Michelle about things he's accomplished. Like, whatever, dad. I know you've written books, but when we, what about this fish? Well, you know Who what Joni like said fish? to me at age six? She turned to me yesterday morning and said, Mommy, I think I want to be on your podcast. I said, oh, really? She said, I want you to interview me. She said, but the thing is, I don't know what I'll talk about. We need to think about that. I said, Joni, you know what? We're going to do this. We're going to figure this out. And we're going to give you something to talk about. And you're going to have a little segment on the show one day. She's so excited. So she's, she's sitting there thinking, what am I going to talk about? Oh, that is amazing. And I um, <laughs> am actually putting a YouTube studio together. Oh, wow. Um, absolutely. I went to a conference and they showed me some things I can do. And so for about less than, I think, say $300, I got all the stuff for a YouTube studio. And I'm going to talk about um, how I built the Composio, but... I'm going to have my oldest daughter on there, and it's going to be twofold. I'm going to talk to her about how I built it and technology, but it's also going to be a knowledge transfer. Oh, I love of it. Stuff. And then getting her perspective of how she can utilize technology into whatever her dreams are. I'm not going to try and push yeah. what I'm doing on here. We're definitely going to coerce and kind of to let her know, add some technology to it is whatever you want to do. But I think that daddy-daughter uh, transfer of knowledge and moment will be something good That's for very us to important. You know, I talk about my dad a lot in the episodes and I'm, I'm glad you're doing that for your daughter because I came up during a time where people looked at, at some of the things that my dad was teaching me. Like, why are you teaching her that? He ran the sound system at my church and he taught me how to work the board. And part yeah. of it was out of necessity because somebody needed to back him up. If he wasn't there, or if he, you know, needed backup, I could go up there and do it 
He also taught me yeah. how to code when I was 12. He also caught me, taught me how to, you know, solve the Rubik's Cube. There were things that he was teaching me that people thought weren't necessarily girl things to do. And I know we've come a very long way now. You know, it's all girl power now. But back then it wasn't. And I'm just amazed at how many of those skills have translated for me. Like how many years later? You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm glad that you're playing in that in your daughter's. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hear about uh, STEM and what girls should do and, uh, and, that, and, and what, how many girls we want to get involved um, and, of course, of course, girls of color mm -hmm. to get them involved. So I've been having them code for years. Um, sometimes they like it, sometimes they don't. But I look at it the same way. Um, I looked at when I heard kids say my mom made me play the piano, take piano mm -hmm. lessons. I didn't want to. But now I, know I play certain things. I'm like, my kids will know how to code, um, at least know the basics and foundation as they uh, get older and if they want to utilize it, great. If not, at least they're, they'll have that well, tool and in you're giving them the, the benefit of things not being unfamiliar. And I talk about this with Gerald Cooper, who is Young Guru's manager all the time. And, you yeah. know, who knows? They may show up on the show. You never know. But he talks about some research that they've done that found that little black and brown boys and kids in general one of the biggest barriers to learning STEM is that it is just plain unfamiliar, right? Yeah. So yeah. their job is to make it familiar to them. So they, they wrap some things around it, as you might guess that a young guru might be yeah. able to do. And suddenly they're interested yeah. in being engineers. Um, I don't want to steal the thunder there, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if, if your yeah. girls are surrounded by things that maybe their friends aren't, but it's normal to them because they're at home and that's dad. Yeah. When it's time, you know, to knock something out, I give you a great example. This podcast, <laughs> I told myself I was going to give myself 45 days to launch this podcast, but it wasn't because, and I know to some people out there, they're like, that's not a long time. But to me, it was a long time. <laughs> um, my mom yeah. was going in for surgery and I wanted to mm. make sure because I couldn't see past that date. Am I going to be able to take care of her if I need to, you know, childcare mm -hmm. when it comes to Joni, how we're going to shuffle all this good stuff. Turned out my mom got out of the hospital smelling like a rose, walking like the vision of health, no problem, you know, within days. And there were things about this podcast from a technical perspective that I needed to tackle. Now, if mm -hmm. I didn't have the technical background that I actually do, that probably would have scared mm -hmm. me off. I might have put it off, right. put it on hold, maybe even call somebody and said, okay, well, until I can afford you to go into this studio and do all of this thing, then maybe I'll put it off. No, you know, I just reach back and, right. you know, these platforms need to work together. They don't work together. They're not speaking well. How do I make them speak? How do I get all of my inputs and outputs going the way they should? Thanks, dad, in the audio yeah. sound booth. You know what I'm saying? These things didn't scare me, but it was because there was this familiarity that my dad, my parents made sure that I had. So that's so important for kids. Anyway, I'm preaching. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, no. That's, that's why I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I, I just want my kids to be, I want them to be consumers as, as kids are in terms of they play Minecraft, they play Fortnite, but I also want them to be producers to understand, okay, what's going on behind the scenes of that? <laughs> And so they could understand, like, uh, 
if they say, hey, dad, I know you write books, cool. But dad also has a platform that makes the books. I, dad's not doing these TLC, TLC type deals. I'm going to own my master's. Yes. I'm on the platform. I'm on my intellectual property. Dad's going to own it all. And then if y'all want it, I'll give it to y'all. Yes. Okay. So if you haven't listened to the episode with Eva Green Wilson and Soka Mom, you need to. Because oh. we talk about her kids. You have to listen yeah, to I, it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course. I mean, since I know Eva, absolutely. Yes, but we talk in this context about, you know, how you're using the technology. Is it all just about gaming or can you command it? And exactly. that's where kids need okay. to be. But anyway. So, Composio <laughs> in beta as of January. Yes. That's awesome. What's next? Yes. Um, so what's next is we, we, we have two, we're going to look at this from two different perspectives. When I went to um, uh, Afrotech in Shout 2017. Shout out to Morgan <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, that is amazing. Shout out to Morgan yes. and shout out to uh, the, 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 the actual advice I'm about to speak on. It was given to me by Angela Benton as well as um, Don Dixon. Oh, Those are awesome. uh, two, two people I, I talked to. Mm -hmm. um, so Angela told me, she said, you need to get a thousand users, thousand paid users. And then you start looking at what you want to do next. Do you get funding? Um, how do you want? So at the particular price point I have, a thousand, a thousand users would actually be a self-sufficient business, mm -hmm. which is great. So I'm looking at, once I get done with the testing of the 50, probably let a hundred beta testers in, then, and my processes are all in place. And then I look at either, um, do I, do we do another, um, uh, phase two of development or are we going to launch and let paid users in? Right now, I'm looking at it doing another phase of development based on the input from the beta mm -hmm. testers. That would be another two months. And then that would push me out to probably a launch party, official launch party, um, like either summer or fall of this year. That's awesome. Yay. I'm yeah, so proud it's, of it's you. exciting. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been, inter it's been an interesting journey going from um, – uh, as I evolved from the faith and tech space, which I still do operate in because uh, I'm good at it and it definitely pays the bills, mm -hmm. um, to looking at my bucket list of life and seeing that a uh, tech startup CEO was uh, just something I've always wanted to do. I, I was amazed at watching pitches, not Shark Tank pitches. I'm talking about pitches that I've seen at actual tech conferences, conferences that are like, yeah, stuff like that. So when I did that, and placed, um, you know, that, that to me was letting me know, okay, you're walking in a path that uh, will come much easier for you at this phase of life as opposed to if you would have tried it in your uh, 20s or, or 30s. You know what? Every moment and season is for a reason. Isn't that true? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm loving it. I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> Hands up emoji. That, that's it right there. <laughs> that's it right there. So, and... You know, for all our listeners out there, remember, you're only alive as you're able to live in the moment. Oh, that's so, good. That's good. Y'all get that? That's say that one on. more time. I'm going to say it one more again. One more again. You are only alive as you're able to live in the moment. Awesome. Awesome. Do you need any more beta testers? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You want to make a call to action? Absolutely. If you want to be a beta tester, go to Composio, C O M. P-O-S-I-O dot C-O. Um, and when you get to that page, scroll down or um, you'll see a sign-up form right there to be notified. And that will put you on a list of beta testers. And I will get you on there to actually test this out. 
help me make it better so we can launch it to the world. And you can publish your book. Beta testers get to publish for free. There you go. Okay, so there are advantages here, people. You get to try out some crazy, dope um, platform. You get to publish your own book. I mean, who's out there trying to be an author? Everybody. So get in on it. You get Jason closer to his launch party people okay because you're going to give him great feedback and he's going to be able to implement that and he's going to make composio even better than it was when it first started are y'all ready i think so awesome. there we go there we go and one, one more treat sure. one more treat so for my the people watching on videos you see i have my composio shirt on got my composio oh, hat so what i'm gonna like do for my beta testers okay. is i'm gonna give my beta testers some merch oh. so every beta tester is gonna get a composio shirt I mean, I, I might as well let them market it for me. Why not? Why not? So you get to look fly too. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, the Culture Soup listeners are getting all sorts of freebies. Very excited about I that. Mean, we have to give them some goodies. Yes. They tuned in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else you want to add? I actually, for the first time, did a vision board. So I do, I would like uh, mm-hmm. people to help, help them understand the power of uh, visual motivation and visual stimulation and seeing your goals in visual uh, format every day. Mm-hmm. The reason I wear uh, this Composio uh, gear is every day I'm looking at um, something that was just an idea in my head that actually is now tangible mm-hmm. and manifested. So uh, it took, you know, 18 to 24 months and just continuous. But the, I, if I see it enough and continue to talk about it, 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 it you know, I made it happen. And so uh, that's one of the key things that, uh, you know, God always tells us, speak it, mm-hmm. speak as thing is not as a person. So, again, speaking it into existence, this, it actually happened. I mean, you can log on to Composio and try it out. That was an idea just a few years yeah. back that I was like, really cool. Well, this really happened. Yeah, and you know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because when I get an idea and I actually move forward with it, one of the first things I do with it is brand it. And it's not necessarily that I just need everybody to know what this is. It really is so it's tangible to me. So you've made a really good point there. You know, the 30-minute mentor, it came to life for me when I built that little logo with the clock and the hashtag and all of that. And seeing it helped me to visualize even the next step. So y'all, word to the wise, Jason is dropping gems. I mean, that's what that's that's what I do. I'm just saying. So <laughs> let's get those vision boards done. And, and and here's the thing with the vision board. Yeah, you can put five, six, ten things on there, but but pick one thing. Mm-hmm. Pick one thing and figure out how you're going to, as Michelle said, brand it so that it make it more real. Um, this book right behind me, this Digital Connections, I'm probably about halfway through it. But one of the first things I did was I had my mm-hmm. uh, my d- designer design the cover. I needed to see the book. I need Smart. to visually see it. So that I could start, um, you know, filling it with the content that I knew was in my head. But this helps pull it out. So, again, find something, brand it, uh, make it yours, and start looking at it every day. And then you start putting the small steps together. You know what? Okay, so two things here. Everybody, if you haven't figured it out by now, Jason is a speaker and a spokesperson. He is very talented (laughs) on the stage. He's very talented behind the Skype, you know, doing webinars or whatever. So if you ever need him for anything that you're doing, let me just say (laughs) that this is how I met Jason. Okay, full circle moment here. We needed someone to be the spokesperson for our cornerstone 
campaign for diversity and inclusion yeah. at AT&T. And when we launched Inspired Mobility, even before Rev Run joined it, Jason Caston <laughs> was our faith and technology guru. And he still is, by the way. Um, so this is how I got yeah. to know Jason, and he is phenomenal on the platform. So if you need him to speak, to carry a message, or if you just need advice and you just need to listen to him, you need to do that, okay? So um, get in touch with that. <laughs> so wh where are you on the social webs where people can follow you? Oh, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at Jason Caston, Instagram at Jason Caston, and if you're still doing the Facebooking thing, it's at Jason Caston. Awesome. Everybody. Jason Caston, iChurch Method, and Composio. Thank you so much for coming on. It was great. Pleasure was all mine. Awesome, 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 awesome. Amazing conversation with Jason Caston, tech founder, author, speaker, and digital platform strategist. Thank you, Jason. And everybody, you heard the call to action. He needs beta testers. So get in there and do that. You'll get some gear while you do it. You'll give him some feedback. He'll make it even better. And you will publish your book for free. And that also includes syndication. My understanding is to Barnes & Noble and Amazon just to start. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup. Find us on the web at theculturesoup.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Until next time, talk to you soon. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.